Hi, my name is Allie Mast. If the term mental illness makes you squirm a little bit, you're definitely not alone. But after living with mental illness for over 20 years, I'm proud to help break down those walls of stigma. When I became a mom in 2017, I realized just how desperate the need was to support people, especially moms, in their mental health journey. It's gonna get a little awkward around here, but cultivating change always is. Welcome to The Mentally Ill Mama. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of The Mentally Ill Mama. I'm your host, Allie Mast, and I am indeed your very own Mentally Ill Mama. So I want to start with some of the quick stuff about me and who I am. My full name is actually... Alexandra Joy McLeod Mast, which is a real mouthful, so I usually just go by Allie. I am about to turn 25. I may be 25 by the time this podcast comes out. I just celebrated my third anniversary to my husband, Nick, and we have a almost two-year-old daughter named Magnolia Aisha. She is definitely the joy of my life, if not also the vein of my existence at the same time. Any other parents of toddlers out there? Hear me? Catch me? (laughs) Picking up what I'm putting down? All right, so the deeper stuff is this, and this is really what I want the meat of this podcast to be all about. I have several mental illnesses, and I think that term mental illness can often provoke feelings of like discomfort. And I think that's why I really wanted the podcast to be called this. I actually believe that God gave me this name. And at first I really hated it because it made me feel so uncomfortable. But I think that's the beauty behind it is if I'm going to be part of the voice that destigmatizes mental illness, then what better way than to describe myself as the mentally ill mama? If you don't like it, that's okay, but I would encourage you to stick around, and I hope that um, you learn a little bit, you understand mental illness a little more. If you have mental illness, I hope that you feel understood and heard and valued. And yeah, so let's let's dive in a little bit more about me. Okie dokie. So I have had anxiety since as long as I can remember, and I have memories as like a young toddler. I wasn't diagnosed with GAD or generalized anxiety disorder until I was, I think, 22. So it hasn't been very long, but I have had it my entire life. So getting the diagnosis was actually really freeing because it helped me put a name to what I was experiencing, what my whole life had been really. And then through that and with the help of Uh, My therapist really helped um, learned skills and tools that helped me live my everyday life in a way that made anxiety not in the spotlight. Does that make sense? I feel like that's a little rambly, but I I feel like the message is there. Okay, so I also have been diagnosed with MDD or major depressive disorder. I was diagnosed with that when I was 17. And I actually struggled with self-harm. And I did on and off until I was um, 19. 
So for a couple years, it was this on and off struggle of mine. And in the end of my time of self-harming, it was a full-blown addiction. And I actually celebrated this year five years of being clean from that. And that was a really big deal for me. And I think that it's such an uncomfortable topic to talk about. I think just talking about depression is a little more relatable, but talking about self-harm is kind of like, whoa, like I don't really want to go there. And honestly, I, I still don't want to go there a lot of the time. I, I definitely will put a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode because for people that are still struggling or even honestly for me, there are there are times where I know I, I can't hear someone talk about that right now. It's not going to be good for me. But for people that don't struggle with that at all and just can't grasp the concept of it, I think it's, it's good for people that are able to to talk about it. And so that's part of what I want to talk about too. Okay, so we have GAD, my anxiety, MDD, my depression, PPD. I had um, postpartum depression uh, summer of 2018, and it became so severe that I actually admitted myself to the emergency room and then was transferred to a psychiatric hospital for six days. And honestly, I wouldn't trade it for the world. (laughs) I was so broken during that time, but... I cannot even tell you the growth and the mindset shifts and just the different perspectives that I've gained from that experience. Like I'm a, I'm a different person. I am a different person. And because of that, really what I would call a rock bottom time in my life, I feel like I am able to share and be vulnerable and help other people that might be living in a rock bottom moment. Or honestly, a big dream of mine is to help people not even have to get to a rock bottom moment. You don't have to wait until things are that bad until you reach out to get help. Lastly, I was recently diagnosed with OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder. And I believe I've had this for a very long time. Maybe as long as my anxiety, I'm not sure. It was kind of like the missing piece of the puzzle for me because I had talked so much and so openly about my anxiety and my depression. And I really felt like I was doing what I needed to do to keep those in check. But there was something that was still causing me so much chaos in my brain. I've always been really intrigued by numbers. (laughs) Uh, I was always really good in math. I was like two years ahead in high school. When my depression got really bad, I definitely did not try very hard and did not do well in AP calculus. But I honestly don't really know why I took that class to begin with because math is one thing and calculus is another. Am I right? Yes, I am right. But anyway, I've always been prone to being very, I would say, in tune with numbers. And I used to see it as like a good thing, like, oh, I'm just really smart. I love numbers. But it became so obsessive, and especially around the topics of diet and exercise and weight. And I never had an eating disorder, but I definitely have struggled with disordered eating, which if you don't know what that is, I would encourage you to look it up because I never really had a name for it because I knew I, I knew I didn't have an eating disorder, but I also knew that I, was, I didn't have a healthy relationship with food and with my body, and with how I moved my body. And that that really helped me a lot. So that's just a little side note to look up disordered eating. Because I think if we're honest, a lot of us 
have some level of disordered eating. But I realized throughout the years that I would always say that I was trying to be, quote, healthy, and I somehow idealized a certain number in my head of what healthy meant for my body, for my weight, for my measurements, for the calories I ate, for the calories I burned. There was there was some magic number, and also that magic number could change at any given time. But there was always this number to hit. There was always a number that my brain wanted to reach to feel satisfied. But often that satisfaction was incredibly short-lived. And because I am also a perfectionist, and I think that perfectionism and OCD are like two heads of the same beast. Is that a saying? I think it is. (laughs) I think I actually heard that they they might be creating a diagnosis for perfectionism because it is so closely intertwined with OCD, but it is also separate. But anyway, my perfectionism would make it Like I literally, my brain would just hurt and ache and I would get so frustrated. And I remember I just kind of had this like aha moment where I was so frustrated with this immense pressure in my brain and the way I couldn't get my brain to stop hyper fixating on the numbers and I didn't know what to do. And I realized that this, this wasn't okay and that this was not my anxiety or my depression. This was something else. And I could work on my anxiety and depression as much as I wanted to. But if I didn't address this, I was going to keep struggling with it. And so a couple sessions of really hashing that feeling out and explaining more of what it was and how long I had been experiencing it. Because when I first mentioned it to my therapist, she said, oh, so this is a new symptom for you? And I literally laughed. I went, (laughs) "Uh, no, I've had this my whole life. I just don't talk about it. And it's funny because I am a really open person, but I think all of us, there are certain parts of us that we can maybe like close off or we don't have the ability in the moment to see that that is not normal. That is not just a part of being human, which I think a lot of us that struggle with mental illnesses, we can sometimes be like, well, everybody has anxiety. Everybody feels depressed sometimes. And yes, I do believe that's true, but there's a difference between having a small season of your life where you're feeling anxious about something in particular and having like a full-blown anxiety disorder where you are feeling anxious the majority of the time for no tangible reason. I think that's hard. And I think it's hard for people that don't have a mental illness to really understand and believe it sometimes, especially for those in the Christian world, which I was raised in the church. I'm still in the church. And part of my heart is really to help the church be better equipped to support and encourage and be there for people with mental illnesses. Because in my personal experience, I've definitely been hurt a lot by the church in seasons where I needed them the most. And I don't hold that against God, but I do believe that the church needs to look at that, call it what it is, and get better. So I hope that I can be a part of that. And I know I believe I am a part of the church and I want to get better at it too. Because even though I myself have mental illnesses, that doesn't mean that I am perfect in being there for other people with mental illnesses. So when I was hospitalized in June of 2018 for my postpartum depression, that was, wow, 
That was probably the scariest time of my life. I may cry. That's okay. I really want to be real and authentic on here. And I know that part of that is showing you that I am a a very emotional person. So I may cry. I may not. Either way is okay. I started noticing my depression worsen uh, when I was five months postpartum. The thing is that I'd, I'd already had depression, the diagnosis of depression. And so I didn't really understand what the difference would be between just having major depressive disorder and postpartum depression. I just assumed that I had postpartum depression because I was already depressed. I didn't realize that it would be like this separate thing. And also, I just want to say that everybody's experiences are different. My therapist was surprised when I was explaining that my postpartum depression felt so much worse than my major depressive disorder. Because in her experience, she said that for most people, major depressive is worse than postpartum. So everybody's different. Everybody's experiences are different. This is just my story. Okay, I just want to make that clear because you may have someone in your life or you may be someone that thinks that they have postpartum depression. And just because your experience is different than mine doesn't mean that you don't need help as well. Okay. All right. So starting at five months postpartum, I just felt like a little bit darker and a little bit heavier every single day for like a full month. But I grew up in such a way that it was like you push through, you get through it, you've gotten this far, you can keep going. And that's how I felt. I just felt like, well, I've always been able to get through it. I guess I can keep getting through it. And I just, I kind of wrote off red flags and warning signs. Like there was a time where I was turning out of a store. I was turning left onto the road and I literally could not remember which side of the road that you were supposed to drive on. And there weren't any cars in the road right then. And I got really confused and I went with my gut and my gut told me that I was supposed to drive on the left side of the road. And so I started driving on the left side of the road until another car came around the corner and I realized, oh crap, I'm supposed to be on the right side of the road. And I got over in time and it was okay. But there was a couple other times like that driving where I just forgot things that I knew. (laughs) I know how to drive. I'm a good driver. I've never been in an accident. I've had one speeding ticket. It was minor. And I, I should know those things. And that is a symptom of Like when you just start to forget things that are like just a normal part of your everyday life, like normally you don't have to think about which side of the road do I drive on. And also like, you know, sometimes you might just be really tired or out of it and you have a moment like that. But if you're having multiple things like that happen, I would definitely see that as a red flag to pay attention to. Eventually, it wasn't just that I was depressed and I remember going to bed one night and waking up the next morning and it was like I became suicidal overnight and that was incredibly difficult to deal with. It was incredibly difficult to admit to because I didn't I didn't want it to be that bad. I didn't want it to be this big thing like I just wanted it to be okay. I just wanted to be okay and I remember It was a Sunday and that night we had a special Sunday evening service and I sat on the back on the floor during a time of worship. It was like a really like a casual environment and I was just like crying like I couldn't stop crying and a couple people walked past me. I don't know if they saw that I was crying or not, but nobody said anything to me and I just remember feeling like this is probably the time in my life where I most need someone to be here for me. And no one is here for me. And like, I'm not, I don't feel strong enough 
I'm getting emotional. I didn't feel strong enough to seek out that help. And I think that is something that I want to share is that sometimes, oftentimes, when your mental health is that poor, it is so hard. Sometimes I think impossible for people to reach out. And we put an enormous amount of pressure on people that are in dark times in their life to reach out. And I just want to encourage you. Can you think about a time when your life was like at rock bottom? Have you ever felt that way? Did you feel like you had the courage? Maybe that's not the right word. Do you feel like you had the ability to reach out, that it was a natural ability? I honestly think that that's really hard for a lot of us. And I just want to encourage you to pay attention to the people in your life. Pay attention to the people around you. There are warning signs that you can learn if somebody is slipping into a depression or becoming suicidal. And if you see those things, reach out because you might be the person that can really honestly save their life or at least help them get the help that they need. Unfortunately, I had to be the one to reach out. I did have a couple people in my life and there was a woman at church that night that was helping look after my daughter so I could be in the sanctuary who was there for me. And I love and appreciate her so much. Um, But I really had to be the person and all of that to reach out and get the help I needed. And I'm so thankful that I did. But I would be lying if I didn't tell you that it was like the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life honestly. And I don't I don't want to get into the full story of that yet. I do want to in a later episode, but I just wanted to give you a taste of what that felt like. So I've shared with you my different mental illnesses. Now I'm going to tell you about a gift that I believe that God has given me, and it's the gift of vulnerability. I have been a vulnerable person for a very long time. Since some time in childhood, I would say. And I, I mean that as a, as a positive thing. I think sometimes when we think of the vulnerable, it's the weak. But I mean vulnerability and like authenticity and openness. I was vulnerable for much of my childhood. And I didn't really know how to harness that. I didn't know how to discern timing and who was a safe person to be vulnerable with. And it really burned me and I was shamed for my vulnerability. And that was really hard for me. And so as I got older, I learned the coping mechanism of guarding myself, of building up a wall. And the irony was that I could still present myself as vulnerable. I was willing to be vulnerable about certain things in my life because to me, they didn't bother me. But they were things that other people would not normally be vulnerable about. So I would be super open and people would be like, wow, you're so vulnerable. But what they didn't know, and honestly, what I didn't even know at the time, is that I was actually not very vulnerable. I was only showing what I was comfortable with and I was guarding the really scary stuff. But through the process of my postpartum depression, God revealed to me that my vulnerability is a gift that should be treasured. And it is not anything to be ashamed of. And I have felt really called to share in a public way. And this has been a dream of mine for a long time. God has helped me um, see it specifically as a podcast and even given me the name of the Mentally Ill Mama. 
and I'm just thrilled to be here. My heart is really vulnerability. For so many, vulnerability doesn't come naturally. Whether by personality or past hurts, many of us are guarded and have built up walls to keep others out and to keep our innermost selves private. But when you live in that space for too long, you are no longer protecting yourself. You are limiting yourself. You are limiting connections, fulfilled dreams, possible relationships, and honestly, just feeling like yourself. I believe vulnerability can start internally, especially for those of us that are introverted or internal processors, but it also has to go beyond that. You have to take the risk of letting someone in, letting someone see your mess, your success, your worry, your hurt, all of it, letting them see you. So here I am letting you see me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. That means so freaking much to me and hopefully to you too. With every episode, my heart is for you, for your growth, connection, education, and of course, your mental health. If listening brought you joy, comfort, or understanding, I would love it if you leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen. You are the bomb.com and don't you forget it. From the mentally ill mama to you, we'll see you next week.